Yes. Oh, holy water testify. Y'all, I feel that to the core of my Oki Texan roots. Thank you, band. I'm just officially putting it out there that we can do country. <laughs> and we still love Jesus. Okay. So, um, all right, you guys. I've been so excited to bring you this message because I have been obsessed with the book of Ruth this year. Some of you know that. All right. And when I am obsessed with something, it just... It works its way into the message at some point in time. That is just what happens. That's just the way it works. And so that's what we're talking about today. Now, Ruth is a teeny tiny book. It's only four chapters long. It's nestled in the Old Testament. You can read the whole thing in like 15 minutes. And it is about a young widow, her mother-in-law, and a farmer. Most of my life, I have heard this story taught like a love story, almost like a fairy tale that someone kind of snuck in the Old Testament. But as I dug deeper and deeper, I've discovered how incredibly important this little story is. God took threads of these people's lives that looked completely frayed and unusable. He brought them together and he created something new. And that reminds me of my Grandma Taylor. Now, real quick, since it's Mother's Day, may I tell you a Grandma Taylor story? Okay. You would have loved her, let me just tell you. All right, Grandma Taylor was a seamstress. And she worked in this high-end dress shop in downtown Oklahoma City. I loved going to work with her. We would ride the bus downtown, and then we would get out and walk the city streets up to the shop, which was in a skyscraper, and we got to ride the elevator. And you guys, listen. (laughs) The elevator was like the ones you see in the old movie. It had that sliding gate thingy. And there was a person inside, push the buttons for you, and they would announce the floor as you go up. It was so cool. And then I think we must have gone all the way to the top because when we got out, it felt like we were in an attic. But to a kid, it was this magical maze of fabric bolts and dress forms and sewing machines just whirring away. Well, I specifically remember one time my grandma held up this beautiful green satin dress and she said, Shelly, this is a $700 dress. Okay, I can't remember how much it was exactly, but it was a lot, a lot, a lot, okay? And then she said, now watch this. And she took her scissors and she slashed off the bottom of the dress. My eyes must have been like this big. And I thought, today is the day that grandma gets fired and we both go to jail. (laughs) But she just laughed because she was altering the dress to fit the woman who bought it. 
And there was no hesitation. I mean, she was fearless. Her scissors were just flying. But I was terrified for her. I said, Grandma, aren't you afraid? I mean, what if you make a mistake? She said, no, I'm not afraid. I know what I'm doing, and I can fix anything. Shelly, don't let the price tag scare you. This dress is as good as the dress I'm wearing. I made both of them. And I, I couldn't really understand that at the time, but it stuck with me, you know? And then she let me play with those fancy remnants, and I watched as she turned those beautiful scraps into something new. Trim, pockets, purses, doll clothes for me, patches, absolutely anything. Nothing was wasted. Everything could be used to make something new in the hands of a fearless seamstress. That was my grandma. And for some reason, that's what I kept seeing play out over and over as I studied the book of Ruth. And that's what I want to tell you guys about. And I'm so excited. Look, I have made this interactive. Okay, does everybody have one of these little cards? She got one when you came in. If you didn't, send someone from your row. Rush back. There's some in the back. Grab some. Bring them back. These aren't just for moms, you guys. Okay? Everybody needs one of these. We are going to walk through the story of Ruth together, and we're going to use these as little touch points. Now, online campus, I posted pictures of this on the Facebook page. Also, we're going to put the questions on the screen so you will not miss a thing. Okay, so this is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun morning. Are you ready? There we go. Some of y'all are. All right, our story starts with a woman named Naomi. Once upon a time. It was a time, it was a time back in the days when judges led Israel. There was a famine in the land. A man from Bethlehem in Judah left home to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. His sons were named Malan and Kilian, all Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They all went to the country of Moab and settled there. Elimelech died, and Naomi was left, she and her two sons. The sons took Moabite wives. The name of the first was Orpah, the second Ruth. They lived there in Moab for the next ten years, but then... The two brothers, Malan and Killian, died. And now the woman was left without either her young men or her husband. And I hear what you're thinking. Shelly, you said this was going to be fun. I know, I did, and it will. But, you know, sometimes you got to go through some bad stuff to get to the good stuff. This is one of those times. Also, this is a true story, so I can't change it. Just stick with me, all right? So Naomi was stranded in this foreign land. She decided her best bet was to go back to Bethlehem. She'd heard that things were better there now. She told Orpah and Ruth to go back to their mothers, to be comforted by them, 
to remarry, to have their own families. They didn't want to do it. (laughs) They didn't want to leave Naomi. Think about it. They'd been together for at least 10 years. 10 years is long enough to form a strong attachment, isn't it? And they had suffered the same loss together. Can you think of someone who has suffered with you? I mean, nobody understands like that person, right? They just get it. Well, they did not want to leave Naomi, but Naomi insisted, and finally, after a very emotional goodbye, Orpah left. But Ruth said, "Mm -mm. don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die, and that's where I'll be buried. So help me, God, not even death itself is going to come between us. And that was the moment Ruth gave up her family, her customs, her gods. She chose to make Naomi her family and to make the Jewish God, the one true God, Yahweh, her God. Well, when Naomi saw that Ruth was resolute, she gave in, and they traveled to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. That means bitter. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? She went away full and came back empty. I wonder if anybody here can relate to that. A couple of weeks ago, I went into the women's restroom and I saw this. Can you see? And you guys, my first thought was, I feel you. You know? I, I get it. I feel you. I am you. Because I was just having a day. You probably have them too. You know, those, it was the day when you, when you just feel like everything, you have just poured out everything, and there's nothing left, and it is just all on the floor. Like, that's how I felt. I thought, if I were a pair of pants... I would be like this, you know, just life, work, kids, everything. It can leave you feeling empty and just ragged sometimes, can't it? I don't think it's just me. So, all right, look at this. Take your little card out. Now, you see that little cup? This is a fun thing. How empty or full do you feel right now? Now, some of y'all are having a good day, and you may be like, spraying out over, spilling out over the top. Awesome. I love days like that. And some of you may be, I don't know, somewhere in between. Some of you may feel like somebody has grabbed a pencil and poked holes in your cup, and it's just spraying out. I don't know where you are, but 
kind of find where you are on that cup and find a way to show it. And then I want you to look at these three verses. I want you to choose one and make a little mark by it. And then when you go home, this is homework, all right? I was raised by a kindergarten teacher. And when you go home, you cut one of these out. I want you to put it somewhere you see every day. And then this week, I want you to say that one verse at least three times a day. Promise? Scouts honor? Yes. Okay. Because, listen, no matter where your level is on this cup, I believe, I believe and I know that the Holy Spirit can use God's word to strengthen and begin to fill you. So lean into that. So those are some of my favorite verses to lean into when I feel like an empty paper towel holder. And I thought I would share them with you. And I forgot to tell you, along the way, we're going to watch these little videos of some artists collaborating with fabric scraps and old barn wood to make something new. So it's exciting. All right, so when you read the book of Ruth, which I'm sure you all will do, right? Yes, Shelly. Okay, you'll notice when you get to chapter 2, you see Ruth referred to as Ruth the Moabite, or the Moabite girl, the Moabitess, that girl from Moab. I mean, where she's from is always tagged on to her name. And at first, I got to say, I found it a little annoying. But then I started thinking, I don't know, maybe that's the point. Because Ruth was very much an outsider. Have you ever felt like an outsider? Have you ever been the outsider? Maybe the new kid in school or the rookie on the job, the newest neighbor. Or maybe you married into a really tight-knit family and you're just trying to find your way. You know, we have all been outsiders. And it's tough. It's a really tough place to be because sometimes that tag on your name is all that people can see. Well, one day, Ruth, the Moabite foreigner, said to Naomi, I'm going to work. I'm going out to glean among the sheaves, following after some harvester who will treat me kindly. Naomi said, go ahead, dear daughter. See, under Mosaic law, the farmers were supposed to leave some of their harvest on the ground for poor people and outsiders to collect or glean. So Ruth ended up in a field belonging to a man named Boaz, 
who happened to be related to Naomi's late husband, but Ruth didn't know that at the time. And when Boaz came to check on his workers, he saw Ruth and he asked about her. And her foreman told him that she was a Moabite girl who came with Naomi from Moab. You know, the outsider from that outside place. And then Boaz did something kind of surprising. He talked to Ruth. He told her not to go to any other fields, to stay close to his workers and harvest as much as she needed. He told her not to worry, that nobody would give her a hard time, and that she could help herself to their water. She dropped to her knees, then bowed her face to the ground. How does this happen that you should pick me out and treat me so kindly? Me, a foreigner. See, Ruth knew she was the outsider. She would always be the outsider, even though she had chosen these people to be her people. Boaz answered her, I've heard all about you. I've heard about the way you treated your mother-in-law after the death of her husband and how you left your father and mother in the land of your birth and have come to live among a bunch of total strangers. God reward you well for what you've done. And with a generous bonus besides from God, to whom you've come seeking protection under his wings. When Boaz looked at Ruth, he didn't see Ruth the Moabite. He saw a woman who loved her mother-in-law so much, she gave up everything to take care of her and stay in her life. He saw a woman who was brave and loyal and strong. He saw Ruth. Why? Because her reputation preceded her, and maybe because of how he grew up. His mom was an outsider, too. Have you ever heard the story about the walls of Jericho? Okay, the, the Israelites, they marched around Jericho's walls for seven days. They blew these trumpets, they shouted, and then, boom, the walls collapsed, and they went in and took the city well, Boaz's mom, she was in that city. Her name was Rahab, and she was a Canaanite, an outsider. Two Israelite spies had gone into Jericho ahead of time, and they stayed at her house. Rahab was also a prostitute. Now, in those days, prostitutes also doubled up as innkeepers. So when the king of Jericho suspected spies, he went and he checked there first. But Rahab was smart. She knew that Jericho didn't have a chance against the Israelites and their gods, so she hid the spies on her roof, and she told the king, oh yeah, they were here, but they'd left. And then she cut a deal with the spies. She told them that she wouldn't turn them in if they would spare her, her parents, her sisters, her brothers, and all their families when they took the city. The spies agreed. So Rahab's house was built into the city wall. So check this. She lowers the spies on a rope out of her window over the wall. 
They escaped. The Israelites, sure enough, came in. They took the city, but they kept their promise. And Rahab was able to save her entire family. She ended up marrying Solomon. He was an Israelite from the tribe of Judah. And she lived with the Israelites the rest of her life. Y'all, those were Boaz's parents. (laughs) And I don't know. Maybe that gave him a unique perspective. But he was kind and respectful to Ruth. He, he treated her like a person, not an outsider. And Ruth was shocked. She said, oh, oh sir, such grace, such kindness. I don't deserve it. You've touched my heart, treated me like one of your own. And I don't even belong here. And this little verse, this is my second favorite part of the story. At the lunch break, Boaz said to her, come over here, eat some bread, dip it in the wine. Such a small thing, so important. I don't belong here. Sure you do. Come sit with us. Flashback to junior high. I know, it's painful, but do it, all right? Flashback. Now, did you ever have a time when you were standing in the school lunchroom holding your tray, desperately looking for a place to sit? Maybe you were the new kid or maybe your lunch didn't line up with your friends. You remember how traumatic that was and you're looking and you're looking. Do you remember that feeling? And then do you remember the feeling if someone anyone would wave, would scoot over, would say, come sit with us. That relief, like just like someone throwing a lifeline. Do you remember? We all want to be seen and included. We do. So grab your card, flip it over. A couple of things I want you to think about. And you can do this as we go, or you can finish it at home, whatever, but I want you to start thinking about this. Where do you feel like an outsider? Now, that may be an easy answer, or you may have to think about it, but almost all of us feel like an outsider somewhere. And then I want you to think about three people who see you. Who makes you feel brave? Who has helped you heal? Who who adds color to your life? I want you to think about those three people, and I want you to write down their names. And then the very last, I want you to think of how you can make someone feel seen this week.
fun watching those take shape, isn't it? So I want you to think about those three people, and I want you to tell them. Because you know what? They may not, they may not even know. Wouldn't that be a nice surprise? So Ruth worked the rest of that day. She threshed all that she had gathered, and she ended up with nearly a full sack of barley, which would have been huge. And Boaz invited her to continue to come and work with them the rest of the harvest season. She rushed home to tell Naomi. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Why? God bless that man. God hasn't quite walked out on us after all. He still loves us in bad times as well as good. Naomi, the woman who had changed her name to bitter, who had left full but returned empty, began to have her faith restored. A tiny bit of hope is a powerful thing. Naomi knew that Boaz could be trusted and that Ruth would be safe. What a relief. Ruth stayed in Boaz's fields the entire barley and wheat harvest, and during that time, Naomi began to see a new possibility. Boaz was in the circle of men who could be their family redeemer. Now, that meant he could legally buy back property that had been owned by Naomi's late husband and care for the family. He could, in fact, restore their security and continue their family line. It was a big ask, but it was possible. So Naomi told Ruth it was time for her to change out of her widow's clothes and start living again. She instructed Ruth to go to the threshing floor the night it was Boaz's turn to harvest, to wait until everything had finished, then to go to him and see if he was willing to be their family redeemer. Bold move, but that's just what she did. And Ruth's change of clothes was an outward sign that she was willing to marry again. When she asked Boaz to be their family redeemer, it was basically a proposal. And Boaz was shocked, not because he felt it was inappropriate. He was shocked because he never thought she would consider him, that she would see him like that. He must have been a little older than Ruth because he said, The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You, you're showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you've not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Ruth and Boaz married. And they had a son named Obed, but everyone in town called him Naomi's baby boy because she doted on him so. Naomi had come back to Bethlehem empty with a heart that probably felt ragged and torn. But God stitched her life together with Ruth's, whose heart was loyal and true. And Ruth's faithfulness took her out to a field where her life was stitched together with Boaz, whose heart was compassionate and kind. And God threaded their lives together to continue a story and a plan 
that was far bigger than they knew. And this is my favorite part of the story, not the happily ever after. The tiny, tiny footnote at the very end of the story. It says, Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nation. Nation was the father of Solomon. Solomon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. It's my favorite part of the story because it's stitched together with the book of Matthew at the very beginning of the New Testament. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. Skip down several generations, but same family line. Matin was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Gosh, y'all. And where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. How is that for full circle? How does God take this tiny story of a young widow, her mother-in-law, and a farmer in a teeny tiny town and lead to the one who redeems us all? It all led to Jesus. My goodness. It is overwhelming. Now look at your card. Last time, see on the back. It says he makes all things new. It's designed so that no matter what verse you cut out on the front, it says this on the back because I want this thought to just hum in your brain all week. Whether you feel empty, full, or somewhere in between, he makes all things new. If you feel like an outsider, God sees you and he knows you for who you cre he created you to be. He makes all things new. If you feel hopeless and ragged, look around and see whose lives he had stitched together with yours and know that we are part of a bigger story. He makes all things new.
So that painting and the overalls, if you missed them, they are in the lobby. Be sure to stop and take a look at that. Special thanks to my friends at Single Stone Studios and Vintage Rooster Mercantile for creating those. And my friend Edie for making my jacket super fun. Um, now, you see that magnet right in front of you on that chair? Grab it. Okay, this is yours. Now, you can keep this for yourself, says all things new. Keep that thought humming in your brain. Or you can give it to your mama. Or you can give it to someone else who maybe needs a pick-me-up. In fact, there's probably enough for you to grab, too. Steal some from somebody else's row. Online campus, stop by and uh, grab yours. But listen, I want you to take this home and use this. Help you remember that he does make all things new. And as we close, y'all, I just want to say a blessing over you, okay? You beautiful, amazing, one-of-a-kind souls. May your cups overflow with blessings you haven't even imagined. May you feel seen and known by the fearless creator who made you. May you look on others with kindness. May you help others feel seen and known. And may you always remember, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus makes all things new. Even you. God bless. Happy Mother's Day. Hold on to those.